Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. I'm really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Disloyal Idiots, a fans first sports network podcast. Uh, joining me as always, Christian DeGuzman, missing as always, Andy Pregler, and joining us this week as a special guest, Kevin Wall. What's going on, guys? Not too much. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, just another week of Syracuse attempting to hold the roof up. <laughs> yeah, we thought that'd get easier without having to inflate it all the time, but uh, apparently, yeah, yeah, here we are. We got some buckets on the floor collecting the. Who tweeted out that? Who tweeted out the zero days uh, tweet uh, uh, yesterday? Uh, okay. <laughs> that, was... that that is that is excellent. I mean, can we go like? Can we get a stretch of some like just nothing but good news going here for Syracuse? It's like just no. when you think like maybe we're going to turn a corner. Nope, they were like stepping on rakes. Yes. Unfortunately, that's the day that the world turns in on itself. Yeah, we're totally in that uh, that Simpsons bit of, you know, step on the rake, turn around, step on the next rake, turn around, step uh-huh. on the next one. So um, if anyone didn't hear, uh, we've titled this Transfer Palooza, not in the greatest way, but it seems like everybody's moving uh, either out, in, or finding destinations. So uh, where do we want to go first, guys? I mean, we might as well talk football. Okay, why not? Um, where did where did we leave off? When last we left our heroes, where were we? <laughs> I believe was that before Lamson, or after Lamson. I think Lamson had had announced he was gone. Is, is is this like the first session after a TPK? Yes. Yeah, we're back to a session zero here. <laughs> God. So, so yeah. Um, who else this week decided to take their leave? So you've got Sire Torrance announced yesterday that he is 
opening his recruitment again. So he's the CBA wide receiver who yep. was the top commit for 2024, right? 2024. Yeah, our yeah. top recruit yeah. that we mm-hmm. had. Yeah, so at at least in the small class so far, he's been the highest consensus recruit that Syracuse has gotten across all the recruiting sites. Yeah, and interestingly enough, he cited conversation with the head coach in his iPhone notes. I'm opening my recruitment up. Also, which uh, is side note, when, did, when did that become the thing to do? Like, I've seen that for like a couple years now. Um, but... As soon as Sean pointed it out. Fair. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I vaguely remember seeing a tweet of Sean pointing it out that like every single announcement post from a recruit is like in the in the notes section of the iPhone and that's basically been the go-to. Yeah, like there's got to be some reason for it, but I don't know what that is. It was probably the old character limit for tweet. So you couldn't oh, get yeah. all of your, mm-hmm. I'd like to thank the coaches at blah, blah, blah. For, yeah, that's you know. true. But I'm not going to go there. So hard to get that in 140 characters. So, so you get that, the old screenshot. That is true, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was uh, I was on the back end fixing Kevin's video because I uh, had it set up for Pregler Vision, which is slightly different. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very different in many ways. Um, so, yeah, we're – so I guess – so the first domino to fall was site – well, technically it was the second domino to fall because also yeah. Lonnie Rice uh, was a linebacker, I believe, Juco yes. commit yes. in December. Um yeah. Thought he was, we thought we had him in the bag because he signed an LOI. Yeah. But I, ironically, also he was the highest rated JUCO slash high school recruit in the last cycle. So yes. yeah, that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So we did confirm he was signed. He did sign a letter of intent. So he is not really decommitting as much as there's got to be more to the story. Yeah, um, like I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling something. it leaving the program without saying too much else. But yeah, yeah there there's got to be more than just because like I be, because I'm pretty sure there was a like announcement for him as well for joining Syracuse. And like Kevin said, an SU spokesperson did confirm to us that he was part of the or not not just the you know national signing day class, the early signing day class in right. December. Yeah. So, I mean, the optics on both aren't great when you have the two highest rated players in the pool, both leaving literally on the same day. Um, Do we think, I guess, Christian, do we think this is a where there's smoke, there's fire thing? Or do we think that this is just a happy coincidence? Um, I think it's a coincidence that both of them just left because I think there's two different problems here. Uh. Because the, the rice one, like we said, it, there's got to be uh, something else going on that we don't understand um, in terms of maybe it's eligibility with the program, you know, other issues. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it's a Syracuse issue uh, with rice. With Torrance, I think it is a Syracuse issue. Um, not mainly because of the on Torrance's uh uh, social media pages, he recently picked up an offer from Michigan State, which seems to indicate that there are going to be some big schools that are going to be interested in his services. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I guess that's one of those things that technically he could 
Like it's just like entering the transfer portal. You know, a, a verbal is a verbal. It's not like you sign an yeah. LOI. Technically, even if he reopens, he could go take his visit somewhere else and then come back to Syracuse if if everything works out okay. Um, I don't know, Kevin. Uh, are you holding your breath on that happening, or are we thinking that's a long shot? Yeah, I, I don't hold my breath. I don't know too many examples of players reopening their commitment from an original and then, you know, circling back. Um, I would say if you want to look at a positive spin and it's going to be one of our uh, survey questions this week is, does he ever enroll at Syracuse? Will he come back as a transfer student potentially? So now with the portal, I mean, does he go somewhere for a year and then realize, hey, maybe this was the the right spot for me. Um, but I think the comment about conversation with the head coach was the part that stood out to me. Like it, it wouldn't shock me for um, any three-star recruit who starts getting better offers to want to listen to those offers. Um, I can't remember what his original interests were, but I don't think Syracuse had beaten out many big programs. No, I think the biggest, the biggest program that they beat out was Buffalo, I believe. So, I mean, he's he's at CBA, so it's a local kid, obviously. You know, Samir is at Binghamton now, but his older brother having spent time at Syracuse, um, you know, I think that's the thing for fans. Like, they're not going to look at him as, well, he's a three-star. It's not a big deal. They're going to look at, you know, you couldn't keep the best, you know, D1 prospect in your own backyard at home. What's right. that say? Who until um, uh, just confirmed the only, uh, like you said, Buffalo is the only offer he had prior to us and then prior to Michigan State. So his current three offers that are listed are Buffalo, yeah. Syracuse, and Michigan State. That's quite the quite the spread. It's, well, some of it may have been people might have thought he was a Syracuse lock, and so you might have had bigger schools that were mm-hmm. weren't necessarily spending a lot of time. What's interesting to me, too, is I've noticed that Syracuse has had a lot of it, a lot more interaction with CBA, the program, yep. um, recently. And that includes having coaches going to the school and then also hosting players from CBA at um, these junior days. So that may be a side effect of Servicaia Dennis getting taken in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, because Syracuse didn't recruit him coming out of CBA and and then watched him go on to a conference foe and terrorize them and Mm -hmm. end up in the draft. So had a hell of a game every time he played us, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he wanted uh, some revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. So. An, inter- an interesting uh, side thing that I've picked up here as well is that, you know, Torrance has also, in most of his uh, tweets, is uh, like when he's talking about his offers and stuff and visits, um, he's also attacking his uh, defensive coordinator at CBA. And so maybe some. I'm. I mean, he, he seems like he'd be a guy who would be more seated as a wide receiver than a DB because he plays DB for CBA. And maybe some schools are looking at him as a DB, which might be an interesting thing to look at. Yeah. Because because Servicaia Dennis was CBA's quarterback, but obviously went to Pitt to become their linebacker. So Yeah, so his recruiter, his the Michigan State recruiter that extended the uh, the offer was a cornerback's coach. Yeah, that would make sense as well. So maybe like offensively, like if he wants to, maybe it's depending on what position he wants to play. Like he yeah, might right. be only getting, you know, offers, the smaller offers from like Syracuse and Buffalo as a wide receiver, but maybe the bigger schools 
like Michigan State, are looking at him as a DB. You know, five eleven, one ninety five. He's got a decent enough frame, like, and he's and that sounds yeah. Now I think about it, that sounds like a better DB frame than a wide receiver frame. Yeah, yeah it's either slot the way the game's or, trending. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I've got to update my article about that. Now, <laughs> <laughs> funny how that happens. Yeah. Um So yeah, I mean that that's that's a thing. We're here. Here's here's our wild and woolly world right now. I believe Syracuse has. What seventy five ish players the on the roster? Yeah, that was the estimate last week, but that was before the Rice news, I think. So it may even yeah. be, it may even be eleven open scholarships right now. So, um, and and that's a troubling thing for, uh, in terms of both recruits uh, uh, decommitting, yeah. is depth that both of those positions are extremely important because Gadsden and after this year is draft eligible. And he's yeah. most like he's most likely gone, um, especially if he has anywhere near the same numbers as he did last season. Um, well, it's not it's not just him too. Uh, this will be the last year for Isaiah Jones and Demarcus yeah. Adams. So, mm-hmm. three of the top five guys probably in the rotation right now. Yep. Yeah. So like he so a wide receiver that I mean it's not looking great. Uh, I, I, maybe Syracuse wasn't looking at him as a DB because you, you assuming that Gould and Bellamy work out, that that kind of quarterback room is kind of packed. I mean, and you still have Jeremiah Wilson. If you really need Cinco Clark to move back over, you can as well. Um, so that DB room is kind of packed. Uh, but linebacker wise for Rice, I mean, we saw what happened last season at the end of this at the end of the year, and we've heard reports um, from spring practice that because of linebacker issues, depth issues at linebacker that Rocky Long has been practicing with two linebacker formations. Which well, we, right, right now there's we 11 that in the spring on game. roster. Yeah, we saw yeah. it firsthand. Um, right now there's so, 11 like, linebackers on roster. One of them is Stefan Thompson, who we still don't have any word on. Um, it was just, the only thing that was confirmed was lower body injury for Thompson, right? Or was yeah. This? I think yep. there was there was some rumblings that it may not even be something he recovers from this offseason though. So that's not good. Yeah. That was that was what had me worried when I heard yes. that. And I think Kevin Kevin, I'm not going crazy on that, right? No, Dino himself, which is the troubling part, because you know how yeah. guarded he is. He said something like we hope to get him him back in fall camp. Right. So, so he seemed pretty confident about Wax and McDonald being ready to go this summer. But Thompson, he was like, well, hopeful by fall. So that was like, oh, if you're just hopeful that he's coming back in fall, that might not be a great sign. Yeah, looking at this, uh, just looking, re-looking at this roster mm-hmm. in the linebacker room, it's not deep. I mean, no, in I terms mean, of like, well, in terms got, of... You've got guys with experience. Like, you've got Wax McDonald and I don't know, one of... Lowry, Mason, Sparrow. It'll probably be, right it'll now. probably be Lowry or Sparrow. Yeah, Caden uh, Bailey. Yeah. Uh, did he did he play in the spring game? I was trying to remember that. I didn't remember seeing. I remembered seeing him on the sideline, oh. but I didn't remember seeing him in action. I don't remember seeing a lot of reports about him either. Yeah, and I, uh, and just yeah. the random tweets that I saw from reporters or even from Mike yeah. um, when he was reporting for us in the in the spring game or not just even spring game in spring practice. So. Yeah, I don't recall he was, that much. 
he was in practice reports, but okay. I didn't see much from the game. Yeah, so he, he was, yeah. I remember definitely seeing him dressed on the sidelines, so he was present. It's just okay. what what happened with that. Uh, yeah. Beyond that, you've got what Austin Rune, uh, yeah. Josh, Josh Kabala. Austin Rune's seen time at least. And then Josh yeah. Kabala, Ryan Dolan, and Yasuke Sagano, plus whoever's right. coming in. So uh, Yeah, and those last three guys you mentioned are all P- PWOs. So. Yep. Yeah, Sagano was the grad transfer PWO, right? Believe so. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got his last year this year from mm-hmm. Saint. Yeah, he's listed as Richard Senior. So. <clears throat> so, um, you have what? At least one incoming. Moultrie one, Goddard. Yep. Sam Moultrie Goddard. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I should know the the class, but it's hard enough to keep who's on the roster. And the sad thing is, shows you also. So the sad thing is it also shows you how forgettable the class in general was. Because usually yeah. because usually we remember more people from the from the signing day class, just in general. And really yeah. the only thing that we remember about the early signing day class in general was just in the uh, the transfers. So the early enrollees, you've got Ike Daniels, uh Moafak Parkman, uh Clement, who's actually was looked like he was in the rotation at tight end. Uh, right. Yeah, David Omapari or uh, Pariola, um, Jaleel Smith were the early enrollees, and then signed were Rice at linebacker, Richard Perry, the Buffalo kid at D line, um, John Ray yeah, so- Reed was the transfer, the JUCO O lineman. Same with Jaden Bass, right? Or was yeah. he freshman? Bass is a freshman. Yep. yep. Oh, Moyolo so is um, the uh, the other yep. Yeah, so the the only the Syracuse only had three people, including Rice, who are linebackers in the at least the early signing day class. And that was Rice, uh, as I am, Ultra Goddard, and Josiah Jeffrey. So, who's listed as an athlete and is listed yeah. at six two two fifteen? So, um. Even for our linebacking core, that seems like, like it might be a smidgen light. Um, yeah. just, just a bit. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, coming in, Ingram, or Ingram, Golden, Bellamy, and Joe Moore, who we saw mm-hmm. tackle during the spring game. So, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird, there's a reason this class is currently ranked 74th. Um Yeah. yeah. I, I would like but, to see them flesh it out a little more. Like, there's still right. plenty of bodies in the portal. So, right. see what can happen there. Yeah, but the thing is also, when you look at uh, Kevin's post on the update about who Syracuse had offers out for, um, and just from what I've seen through the Twitter timelines of people retweeting guys that they've gotten offers for, I don't recall seeing a linebacker, or just linebackers at all, getting... So, we had uh, the one D2 commit that it looked like he was a special teamer you know like real athletic experience but injury prone so i don't know how reliable that that would be of a pickup um but yeah i think that's the only positive side is that you still have options you still have time and you still have options but now i think you have to get when we thought the focus was probably just the offensive line now you've now you've got quarterback, offensive line, and linebacker, and you've really got to try and, and, and add some and, value right away. And defensive line. 
Um, yeah, gear gear leaving, I guess. Because um, because unless you unless you're unless you're really going to trot out the rotation of Joby D. Simmons and Ingraham on the edge. I would I would prefer someone else there as well. Well, don't forget uh, Jack as Jr. and Nolan. True, yeah. And then that Jaleel Smith looked pretty good. And I mean, obviously, it's granted against the Syracuse offensive line. But that I is. think you... you know. <laughs> as, as Steve can tell us, the second unit is not that promising. Well, he was, he was against the first unit, actually. So oh, okay. Yeah. Made some plays against the first unit. So, I, I mean, I think... Yeah, but that, that made worry us even more. But, but was that? Yeah. And the other thing was that on the left side or the right side? Uh, that's a good question. But because if it was on the right side, then it's kind of expected. Yeah, and obviously freshmen, you know, take that. You don't want to rely on a lot of true freshmen. But I think, I think the defensive line could actually surprise some people because I think that those young ends, if if Nolton and Jacquez Jr. are healthy, I think they're going to provide a dimension. Yeah. Um, that you know, Syracuse can re- certainly take advantage of and, and allow them to have fresh bodies longer, you know, um, than what we saw last year. So, but then, yeah. uh, then again, we go back to what we were talking about with uh, you know, remembering names from the from the class. Uh, it's, right. I mean, we were, I remember us talking a lot about you know, Nolan and and Hawkes Jr. Uh, even some, even talking a little bit more about Laquan Allen um, at right. times as well, um, mainly because he was Gatorade Player of the Year in New Jersey. But like, we don't have that like same buzz around some of the additions in this class. No, I think I think you're right. I think that's that's it's certainly lacking from that perspective. Um, yeah, and um, when you, when you look at on three as well, we don't have we only have three outstanding offers that have been made public, uh, and all of them are two unrated kids: uh, Jacoris Foreman, David Vidala, and Jamarcus Smith. Um, I guess uh, Vidala is being looked at by Maryland and A and M, uh, but the other two look like they're um, you know G five style recruits. So. Um, so we do have a couple of quarterback though offers. Yeah, uh, there there's a couple transfers. Uh, what is it, Ty? Um, Ty Ty Keys, yep. who was at Southern Miss, um, and came for a visit, and then we didn't offer. And now he's technically like at a JUCO, so we'll see how that goes. And then Xavier Williams, who was at Charlotte, um, is quarterback from Georgia that we've reportedly extended an offer to. And I haven't seen anything about Lamson getting offers from other places, which right. was one of my questions for you guys as we were talking about this. Uh, had, had anybody noticed it? If he's I picked up any anything. offers. Yeah. So it, it's curious because, you know, obviously the thing with the portal is, and I know a lot of athletes don't go in and come back, even though we've got two currently on the roster, but, the way the deadlines work is that sometimes you may get athletes who are going to put their name in just so they can explore options over the period of May and see how things shake out. And then depending on where they land, they may come back. And that's if the program is willing to accept them. But as we know, Syracuse really is in a position to close the door on players that are exploring other options. So and gear was an interesting one too, because he, the rumor was him going back home to South Carolina 
but LSU just hired the South Carolina defensive line coach. And so will was his offer to South Carolina predicated on that coach? Would LSU have a spot for him if that's the plan? Or is it just about, I have an SEC offer back at home in South Carolina because now they've realized, hey, I can actually contribute. So yeah, there'll be some things to certainly watch for. And uh, I think all of our, what are we going to do in the summer for content questions might be resolved by the good old <laughs> transfer portal. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, since we haven't talked offensive line yet, uh, I do have to say I am mildly worried at what looks like the outstanding offers on the offensive line. Um, we've only got a couple that are reportedly outstanding. And again, this is all uh, for anyone listening. This is all just smoke and mirrors, what we can craft and pull from various recruiting sites. Uh, there's no exact science to it. It's just like whatever's out there publicly that these sites can pull up that we're working off of. It's uh, it's it's a very inexact science, but either way, that inexact science has only two outstanding tackle offers. One is a community college kid, uh, Makai Lee, that's 6'6", 275, and uh, the other is a true freshman that's a coin flip between Syracuse and Bowling Green. So um, so there's one other one, too. For yeah, there is, yeah. David Woolabaugh, Jr., hmm. Kentucky transfer he is a uh, reportedly offered um he's the son of dave wollabaugh who was a syracuse offensive lineman and had a solid nfl career i think six or seven years um played some with the patriots so he was a younger player who started a little bit for kentucky um was actually at tackle and they seem to have over recruited him and so he is on his way out um, and so Syracuse has it extended an offer. So, um, I mean, I don't know how, how good he is, but you have a player who was in the SEC and has a couple years of college strength and conditioning. Um, so it would be yeah. interesting to see if Syracuse can land a legacy. Um, and I believe he was a center in high school that had shifted to tackle. So, um, look, at this point, Syracuse needs to get power five offensive linemen and then figure out what way to put five of them on the field that can protect Garrett Schrader. So, yeah, I mean, and in all honesty, even if he does play a different position, having someone who has experience playing center uh, is, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing to get on your roster. I know various people in various comment sections have said, Oh, you know, just, just put him to center. All they got to do is snap the ball. It's a very, very different position folks. Um, having, having done it myself, it's not, uh, it's not just snap the ball and see what happens. You're the one calling the defense. You're the one calling the blocking schemes. You're reading what's going on. You're this, you're the anchor to the line and you have to be able to snap the ball and get out there and block. Uh, not, not the easiest, uh, easiest thing in the world but anyone that has experience there always more than welcome on our roster in my book now we're off my offensive line soapbox (laughs) i think you know we're at the point though where syracuse has got to start landing some or at least getting some publicized visits in the next couple weeks because as you get through to the end of may you're not going to have as many options to, to go on. And you, you want players, even though they're not officially in practice, um, you want them here for June so that they can start doing the conditioning, yeah. Yeah, doing the captain's practices, 
you know, um, I always get that, that aspect. Down. Yeah. The, the captain's practices, like we had to go through them too, even at D3, because there's the regulations on how many sessions you can actually have. And all it is, is literally your captain's going up to the coaches saying, what do we run through? At Union, the coaches actually could overlook the field. <laughs> like there right. was a balcony that they could see what was going on on the field. And it's like, they're just practices. There's no, there's no captains right. about it. Like just because the coaches aren't there doesn't mean they have no input. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Did, I don't think Syracuse brought in anyone during the summer last season, did they? Like not until camp? Yeah, or if anything, yeah, I, I think that. Um, oh, the only one. Adams the only one was. Late. Oh, Adams. I oh CDRW was also. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, right. He didn't get here till summer. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. So we had a couple. Okay. So. Because because I don't remember Syracuse doing it a bunch last year, but I yeah. So there is some history that Syracuse will at least bring in people during the off season, but. Yeah, especially I mean, with especially with the scholarship situation that's reported right. where what is it you have at this point more than 10 open scholarships mm-hmm. like not great yeah, there's there's no way you're giving all of those to walk on from last year you've got to fill right. those up with right we got to fill right. those up with guys who are going to actually contribute you know, I think Isaiah Johnson might have been a late ad too, because he came as a grad student from Dartmouth. Oh, maybe. Could yeah. Be. Yeah. So, and I think that's one area too is that Ivy Leagues can't stay for grad school. So, with the COVID year, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if any more Ivy players pop up because the grad transfers are not bound by the portal deadlines either, because they're not yeah. considered they're not considered transfer portal. So. Um, what I'm, how I'm curious, not just for Syracuse is what happens when, how many athletes are on the sly kind of taking all what they need to graduate and they haven't declared their intention to hit the portal. And then once they graduate, they're free and clear. So, but Syracuse is going to have to adjust to this notion of adding bodies in the summer, because with the portal, you're going to have situations where people are coming out after spring ball, after they see where they fall on the depth chart. And so you've got to be willing to to take players. I mean, if you've got a player from Kentucky who goes from starting offensive lineman to second unit and they've got a couple years of eligibility, like you can't just say, Oh no, we needed you here in January. Like you, you've got scholarships. Um, yeah. You, you, know. you take what you can get at that point. I think yeah. that's the big thing also is that you have the room and the roster to add these people. And we saw what happened towards the tail end of the season. And it happens every Syracuse season. Yeah. It's that, inevitably the injuries pile up because just the nature of Syracuse, Syracuse doesn't always recruit the most athletic people um, and they, the, and teams that, and those bodies need to be built up. That's why Dino right. always preaches his time in the gym, because he knows that his athletes need to be built up. Um, and so the punishment, especially in the ACC, whereas a lot of guys who come in with an athletic inch punish these guys. And we all know that the dome turf isn't necessarily the most stable surface to be playing on injury wise. So you like you need the bodies and you need the depth, especially the way things look like this season. The where the area where you Syracuse can get its wins to get bowl eligible are towards the tail end in November. 
because right. if, if Syracuse can surprise us and win during that awful three-game stretch in October, they win one of those games. Great. But but after those three games, like this is going to be, we're talking about a much different Syracuse team that we're looking at than the one that's going to start the season. Yeah, and I think, you know, not only does Syracuse need depth, but Syracuse offers these athletes a path to playing time. Yeah, and that's and that's a big advantage that Syracuse has over you know other schools is that right. they're going to fill immediate needs. And they've got recent draft history to say you can you can go from Syracuse. I mean, Matthew Bergeron was a, a zero offer player that ended up with a nearly being a first round pick and as a second round pick for a team that traded up to get him. So. Yeah, and Bergeron's also, uh, you, and like Syracuse needs to do this more, like show like, hey, this is a guy who stayed with, who was with our program and developed into this player because, yeah. because Bergeron remember took a starting job, four games with four games left into the into yeah. his freshman season. Yeah. Now, of course, the circumstances around how he got that starting job were uh, unfortunate to begin with, but. Right. It happened, and and if as a true freshman in his first year with the program, he was the best option. So well, and same with Garrett Williams, who <clears throat> was you know injuries got him a starting job because I think both Ify and Trill were out. I remember that he made that ridiculous interception at Louisville, like the one bright spot of that dismal day. Don't remind, don't remind me of any of those. Games. <laughs> When's the last time Syracuse has had a good game at Louisville? Uh, somewhere uh, around Andrew the same Robinson? time. I was, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say somewhere about the same time they had a good game at Pitt, but well, I think it was when they were ranked and we were awful, yeah. and we and it was Taj Smith that destroyed them. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Robinson before his conversion to a tight end. Man, there's a there's that, a book in the Syracuse football in the 21st century, like that quarterback room in that era going from like anything from post McNabb to pre Dungy with like without that little NASA well no pre I guess pre NASAB though. Yeah it's like pre-NASIB. post post McNabb to pre NASAB is there's got you're right, there's there's a whole tale to be told in there, I'm sure. Well save that for another podcast because we could go through in depth and all the yeah. different it's like uh, that's Kevin, it's like that's we would oh. Go for it's it. like that stat I brought up last week on the pod, and Kevin, I'm pretty sure you saw this on the Slack. The last time Syracuse had a skill position player taken yes. in the first three rounds. Yep. Yep. Ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah. Kevin, you're going to have to be on for that pod though, because uh, yes. these two youngins. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Andy and I are just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, it'll be me talking we'll to s- myself. <laughs> we'll save it for save it for when they're both away. There you go. So, <laughs> we'll get you, me, Sunday. and uh, bring back Casillo for that one. <laughs> we could bring back Casillo or maybe even Keely. Save, and, yep. save it when I go for save it before when I go to a Yankee game later in this month, and then cry as the Yankees have are <laughs> playing a double A team against yeah. the Padres. Yeah, yeah, that's about yeah. what we're working with. We, yeah, we so can do that. Our fandoms are intertwining because the Yankees are effectively like. Uh, Syracuse football, where everybody gets injured all the time. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. So, Good times. Well, you know what else is great? 
but more great than injuries all the time. Home field apparel. Yeah, it's not as clean a transition yeah. as Prager would have pulled off, but or at least it's not as emphatic a transition as Prager <laughs> yeah. would have pulled off. But uh, yeah, uh, Kevin's rocking the Loud House tee. It's uh, one of one of the classics from the Homefield collection. Uh, all your uh, your your high quality vintage Syracuse apparel, anything from Vita the Goat to the Loud House to a classic uh, classic '90s look Syracuse uh, logo that I often wear on the pod. Um, if you would like to get 10% off your first order with home field apparel, use the code noons and you for 10% off. Uh, yeah, that's, I am not currently, but, uh, within these 24 hours have been rocking my home field joggers. So even if they don't have a Syracuse logo on them, they're well worth wearing. Yeah. They're relaunching and, and doing hats now too. Oh God. Mm. Shut up and take yeah. my money. I, I, yeah. We we still need a Badger home field for Syracuse Bomber jackets. Like I'm not going to be satisfied until we get those. It worked for uh, no escalators, so we can always see what yeah. we can do. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath, but we can always see what we can do. <laughs> so, with that being halftime, um, what where where do we want to pivot to next? So we, there's we other transfers on today's, or yeah, we yeah okay. the we'll bury the lead for long enough. Yep. I think. I, I mean, it's the, it's the off season. We have to still talk about transfers, especially as Joe Girard trades in orange and white for orange and purple. Yeah, yeah. He he He's literally just took the tiger. he took the navy and just turned it a little darker. Yeah, went from Bayheim to Brown Brownell. That's the thing. Now he with, went from he went from principal to vice principal. That's right. He he did. <laughs> so. With with this, does Autry immediately just run the entire offense over Joe Girard when we play against him? Yes. Okay. If <laughs> <laughs> you guys have seen like two K two K gaming videos on uh, on YouTube with Chris Move, you run to whoever offense. Yep. On 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 uh, Joe Girard. That's. I mean, <laughs> I, that's what Syracuse has to. There you go. I I, I mean it's the the. The Celtics ran the put James Harden in pick and roll, and today and, and whoever you know whoever could have the ball. So I think I think yeah, I would yeah. expect he sees a lot of pick and roll to get himself on perimeter players, and then on the other side, I think he's going to see a six five wing defender denying him the ball. Now, does Brad now have to play zone now to make sure that Joe's not a defensive liability? I mean, he also picked up a guy from Air Force who's like a 40% three-point shooter. But if you're going to play him at small forward and Joe at shooting guard, I think you're probably going to have to play zone. Um, or else, you, unless you're going to come up with some sort of gimmick like the the Bayheim against Duke triangle in two and we're going to hide, you know, we're going to blend our two guys who could defend play. <laughs> what, 1-3-1? One, one. Or something. Yeah, I think, you know, hey, good for, you know, Good for Gerard. I think some Syracuse fans are expecting he's going to come in and light it up against the Orange next year. They play twice, so oh. Syracuse will get to see him in the Dome. No matter what, you know he's going to hit some weird-ass contest, like yeah. hand-in-his-face mm-hmm. 30-footer to like have Clemson beat us in the Dome, and then we'll like run them off the court in South Carolina or something. It's going to be uh, one of those weird things. The- if he has a shot to win a game in the dome, that would be the first time I think that's happened in five years. So, Ooh. 
and look, you facts know, are facts, no but... offense to him, but yeah, I mean, like that's ultimately when you talk about memories of Joe Girard, like he's got good numbers, his numbers stand up. He got a little bit better, but overall, like what's his defining moment? And this is what I ask people: like, is it him throwing the ball at Prentice Hub, dropping the ball at Prentice Hub? Like, is it him going off? Uh, against NC State as a freshman when Hughes was out in a game Syracuse lost? Is it him going off at Miami in a game Syracuse lost? Is it him, you know, like... Literally, my only defining moment of Gerard is that dumb overtime against Virginia in his freshman year. Yeah. When, you know, he, Hughes, and Buddy just decided to not miss a three. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably right. That's probably the, the, the moment in a win in the circus win either that or the west virginia game in the tournament because he had a really good first half and hit a couple and, of he had a first, he had a good first half and then and then virginia west virginia switched shifted yeah. its defense from guard buddy to guard joe yeah, yeah and then it, well we at least it was a win so i'm trying to be a little bit positive towards him because well that, um, I, I see, that's gonna, that's gonna be my problem though like you ask for the most defining thing and it's It'll be the Virginia game this year. Yeah. Like I was there, so it was like, okay, well, so much for that. Like him saving that inbounds, out of bounds, whatever. Um, was that the Virginia game? That was a game. North Carolina. That's North it. Carolina. Um, I know I was in the dome for it, but I couldn't remember who we were playing. But uh, yeah, that that as dumb as it sounds, that to me is the one thing I'll remember even though I would much rather remember him for something positive because he seems like a really good kid that, you know, just had a career at Syracuse that stayed the same. So, I mean, Syracuse loses him and Jesse Edwards and they lose two solid players who played four years here. Yeah. And played four years on a team that made one NCAA tournament. So I think, like, you know, the piece that I wrote last week was about a lot of fans focused on those guys leaving and Lampson leaving, but no one wants to recognize that those guys left and Adrian Autry brought in two top 40 players in JJ Starling and Chance Westry. Now, are they as good as those guys that are leaving? I don't know. Do we still have a big hole at center that needs to be filled? Maybe by a seven foot three guy from Florida state, perhaps. Um, but they still have a big hole at center. So like, you kind of have to let it shake out. But to talk only about the people that leave, and Lamson was another case too. Everybody wants to talk about him leaving. But the two guys who are ahead of him in the quarterback room were four-star high school recruits who played in the SEC or yeah. went to the SEC schools because Schrader played. Maybe it's just me being delusional, but I had Lamson ahead of CDRW on my Personal death chart, but same. Yeah, to each, to each their own. <laughs> right. I mean, but even so, it's not when we had Tommy DeVito and then it was Rex Culpepper and Jacoby and Morgan. Like, right. who like all you, played you, because everybody gets hurt all the time. Right. And so, like, you still need to fill players, but I think Syracuse fans have the Syracuse mentality of looking at the glass half empty instead of the, the flip side. And yeah, do you yeah. know where you live? Yeah, oh, I, I recognize <laughs> it. <laughs> and that's why I like to try and call it's a, it out. It's a defining trait of the region. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it doesn't have to go through every aspect of life, though. And that's, that's I think, the, the one piece is, you know, on the one hand, it's probably 
not the worst thing for Adrian Autry to almost have a cleaner slate to play a style yeah. he wants to play. What's really interesting to me is Adrian Autry might trot out an incredible zone lineup next year. Yeah. And so all this <laughs> talk about not playing zone, he might have, depending on what Judah Mintz does, even if Mintz comes back, he might have three or four guards who could play the top of the zone that are 6'3 or taller and athletic. He might have a two right. seven the, footer. The, the, the roster is it, it, it has to go correctly, though, because if you don't get employed and you don't get uh, Pop Conte, then it's not because you just have a good front court. Uh, you just have a good back court zone and you have right. an awful front court zone. <laughs> right. And then that switches things. But you're you're talking about there he could be teetering on the potential of actually having the like a throwback zone lineup that to to put out there. Which would be very interesting if his first year is like, nope, I'm not gonna stick to the zone all the time. I'm gonna play man. And then three games in he realizes this is going to be an incredible zone team. Like I said in a, like I said in our Slack earlier this week, Adrian Autry looked at Leonard Hamilton play five centers against Syracuse and was like, ah, oh, that's a good idea. Let me recruit to do that. And so the first option was, let's get one of the guys who played in that system. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing to have line of flexibility. I, I think there's even, Mike Waters mentioned that Malik Brown playing the five is probably going to happen, which means he's Honestly, probably hearing it from the coaches. Honestly, if Syracuse fumbles the bag and they don't get one of, if they don't get either Conte or McLeod, which, but I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen. But if right. it does, if they don't get either Conte or McLeod, I think Brown should start at the five. I would feel more comfortable with him at the five as well. Over because, Asima, yes. Yeah, I think he's your best option to start at the five. Yeah. Either that, think- either that or Autry adopts the Beheim style of day one Coleman 2016. Play two minutes and then get the and then, get, and then get yanked for Tyler Lydon. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's also known as the Fab Mallow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. And the <laughs> Daryl Watkins. Mm-hmm. And the... <laughs> Is that Craig Forth? I feel like that was Craig Forth a lot. Mm, um, him no, and McNeil got... were very, they were deployed yeah. a lot more tactically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so McNeil was your, was kind of what Hema, I think, should be. He was a, a stronger rebounder. He was the press guy. Yep. And he came in against bigger bodies because sometimes fourth could get bodied down low. And McNeil was just country strong. Like, mm-hmm. and so he would go in and he could lean on players. And, and so, but fourth was mostly out there because he, the way he set screens to free McNamara. I mean, Jerry McNamara owed Craig fourth a lot yeah, of, yeah, his, his a good chunk of his career. <laughs> Because a lot of those threes were opened up by Craig Forth just absolutely obliterating some Big East guard. Mm-hmm. And you were in the Big East where that wasn't going to get called. <laughs> no, his elbows must have hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just hurt. Yeah, Syracuse, is, I mean, Syracuse basketball to me is going to be very interesting because I think there's some legit questions about whether there's enough shooting, uh, whether the pieces fit. But if, if, Autry is willing to actually play a bench and like match to what his opponent whoa, whoa. is. There's, there's a lot of flexibility. We can yes. we can do that. I, I think that is the big thing about this season is that a lot of this, a, a lot of this is a lot more up in the air than than football because I think with football, like we, there's a there should be a lot more doom and gloom around football than it is around this basketball program because obviously with football we know what we have and. 
and, and I think most fans know like just a general style of play that's going to come with what's here. With Autry, you're like, yes, he's from the Bayheim system, but especially in basketball, that's no guarantee that means that the system carries over from this one head coach to the other. Um, right. So we literally don't know what Syracuse is going to be until maybe the 10th game of the season, yeah. because it's going to change. Well, well it's, uh, it's, it's sadly, it's sad where we're not going to figure that out until after Maui. So that's going to be. Yeah. Uh. yeah, the good thing is that those opponents won't get to see a lot of Syracuse before they get to Maui. So if there's a if there's a which, plus side, which is the only the only troubling thing about playing. Yeah, uh, uh, the only troubling thing about playing Brown at the five yeah. is when you have to, yeah. <laughs> when you have to go to Maui yeah. and those teams actually have centers. Well, the the one thing that you look at is you look at, you know, I'm a small ball proponent. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you look at what Fairleigh Dickinson did to Purdue um, is they couldn't contend with Zach Eady. But the, on the flip side, they were going to make Zach Eady come away from the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, team we Syracuse didn't get Hunter Dickinson. So he's a guy that you're going to say, OK, well, and that's where you hope that Brown can maybe at least put the ball on the floor, kind of where Marek Dolezal mm-hmm. gave Syracuse that edge in that tournament run is you could put him handling the ball and teams had to decide what are you going to do because you couldn't just sit back because he could make plays. And so can Brown do that? Can could you mix it to get really crazy? Does Benny Williams play the five? At some I was going to say, yeah. like honestly, honestly, uh, that's what I was going to say next. Maybe, maybe you shift Benny into that role as the ball handling forward. Yeah, is, uh, because I, I think based on the like bursts that we saw at the end of the season last year, he could probably handle that uh, very well. Well, and that's yeah. even worst case scenario with Brown. Like for the, from a ball handling standpoint, the ability for a Syracuse center to hit a 15 foot jumper and pull people out yeah. of position. And especially I, I don't remember much about Brown this year being willing to pass, but if he can be willing to pull that defender and then hit somebody running because Starling and Westry and you know, who knows if Mintz comes back is they're going to push to the hoop. But this, right. this, because we were talking about hockey on the, on the pre on the pre pod, Malik Brown in on the offense is Chris Kreider. He's gonna sit yeah. on. He's gonna sit yeah. around the rim. Gonna sit around the yeah. crease. I then just wait for wait for a ball to get in there and then shoot from there. The the nice thing about him is he's athletic enough though that you could start him out wide and have him crash and cut. Yeah. And the the other thing about Syracuse is even if they played without a center, they're still gonna put out a pretty pretty tall lineup for a college basketball team. Yeah. Wait, well, this, I is, think that's this what, is built for the like the the like you said earlier. But, it's like I said, O four zone. <laughs> but like also with the caveat that it's only the backcourt, which is the first time since Howard and well, Battle that we've had a backcourt. That, it's not necessarily yeah, though, because yeah. if, if if you played Benny Brown and Bell, they're all six seven, and. And then you still I mean, have Justin Taylor, who's six seven. Now, are they physical enough against every team? No, but how many teams play three guards? Like, how many teams have a six foot four, six foot five power forward these days? I mean, I think that's the that's the other side. Just, now, can they rebound? They've got a show, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, there's just the the only interior presence that you have in that front in that front court is Brown, and as good as oh. as good as he showed defensively in spurts, like. He, like 
guys who actually have like physical centers are gonna or even tall centers. Well, but that's gonna, where I would throw it back is how many centers I mean you have Baker, you have Post at BC and maybe PJ Hall at Clemson. Like what centers are in the like what true centers yeah. are Syrac- is Syracuse gonna yeah. face next year. So And then and then I then it comes back to the discussion about readjusting the expectations of the Syracuse program. Yeah. Like like because it, it goes back to those expectations and then inevitably it ends up in scheduling talk like it always does on this pro on this show or on the site. Yeah. Because well, we, we come out of the John Casillo coaching tree, so Yeah. <laughs> because like if if Syracuse scheduled a little bit better, maybe you wouldn't have to worry about that as much. But because they're are so many question marks just in general about where the wins are going to come from. That's where I get, you know, get a little scared. But like, I, I do like, I do like small ball. It's just the caveat of like, can you actually, what do you do with it? Because I do yeah. think for Syracuse, small ball is the right option. You, they've just got to be careful with how they do it because otherwise you're going to end up a situation like we did at the end of, at the end, end of last year where the offense looks good, but there's just nothing that the defense can do to show to back up the good offense that was shown. Right. Well, and I guess as we're as we're coming towards the end of this, uh, we somebody brought it up about a minute ago, and it made me think the the turnover on the men's basketball side and the football side are pretty analogous as far as percentage of the program wise why is there that dichotomy in like people actually being excited for seeing this new new look basketball team versus doom and gloom over everything on the circuit on the football side which i mean outside of doom and gloom on the football side for everything I think it goes back to that thing where I said the knowns versus the unknowns. There's just far more knowns on the football side versus unknowns on the basketball side where we know what we're going to get from football and just what we know from the program. We just know that the additions that the football program have made are probably not enough. But with the basketball side, because of the program turnover, uh, in terms of the leadership staff, we just don't know as much. And yes, football has had the same turnover in the leadership staff as well with all the coaches that left in the offseason. But the most important thing is that the head guy didn't change. So that's where the head stability of the knowns of that program hold on. So it's you could even simplify it. In football, Syracuse has two players that are top 10 to PFF at their position, Garrett Schrader and Aranda Gadsden. If Syracuse men's basketball had two returning players rated in the top 10 in their position, they'd be a top 25 team because you would fill in three or four players around them who did the rebounding and the defense and the other stuff. Right. On the football side, you're like, hey, we've got all ACC caliber quarterback, right? All ACC wide receiver. We should be able to do something, but it's, can you have do you have five or six guys who can keep them protected so that they can actually do the things that they want to do? And you know, basketball you can you can replace and reject and, and recoup and maybe you don't replace Jesse Edwards with one player, but there's three players who 
are combined to play at that center position who give you that production. And then your players that are were freshmen take that leap from freshman to sophomore, which is where we see the growth. In football, it's like, all right, we've got people on both sides of the ball that we feel really comfortable with, but is there enough there right. to hold together yeah. where they can they can and you know on both sides, offense and defense? Because I think we've got some players on defense, but if that's all you've got is a couple players, it's it's much easier to scheme around that than it is, uh, you know, on basketball court where you have a, a much better chance of getting the ball to your, your guys in, in positions they can do damage. If Syracuse can't figure something out on offense, teams are going to put three guys on a run to gets and, and say, yeah, good luck, you know, try and beat us with somebody else. And Yeah, that sounds about right. All in all, uh, two programs in flux that we really have a lot of questions about. Yes, we do. Um, any, anything else we want to touch on while we're, while we're going here? Do we want to give a shout to the Q's awards? So, well, we should women's across selection show will follow us. So John, I'll have a write up with their seed, yeah. whether they're three or three or four, they're probably hosting. It's whether they get a buy if they're the three seed or if they have to play an opening round game if they're the four. Those games will be at the soccer stadium next week. Yeah, for, for anyone. Commencement. I, I had titled, uh, anyone watching live, I had titled it uh, Women's uh, Selection Sunday before I realized that the show didn't start till nine. So um, you'll be getting all that from John. We tried. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, um, any other Olympic stuff we want to touch on? I know we've uh, got softball rowing, women's rowing and track and field have ACC championships this week. Uh, men's rowing has Eastern sprints to qualify. They don't have an NCAA championship in men's rowing, but they have the IRA regatta. Uh, both our rowing teams are top 10. So expectations are probably for the women to be second to Virginia that are Duke. That's kind of the battle. Um, but the men have been on a roll. So we'll see how they, how they do both their top 10 teams track and field there may be an individual winner or two but team wise they're not going to do anything and softball gets virginia and i think if they win they get florida state so um you know maybe they can they can advance but i don't see after that virginia series anything but at least they turn their season around so uh, good to see some hope for the future and it's been a while since softball's made the acc tournament just in general yeah i think this is only the second time under the new coach or the next day new coach. She's probably been there five or six years now. Shannon job King. Cause she's won a hundred games. So she's got to be there for a little while. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that kind of recaps it. Maybe we'll save a Q's awards conversation for another day. Absolutely. Uh, side note at the end, um, Christian, do we know it's pronounced McLeod McLeod? For Naheem. McLeod. McLeod. Is okay. it McLeod? My brain, I think. my brain keeps wanting to pronounce it McLeod, like the Highlander, so that I need to get out of that. There can apparently be more than one transfer, one. as we've touched on. Um, so, yeah, for, I guess, we, we call that a wrap, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone still with us and for any of us not with us, uh, thank you for listening. And uh <laughs> Check us out on. Um, we'll, we're still streaming this or streaming the pod on Twitch. 
uh, noonsmagician.com in the morning. I'm sure some of you guys are picking up on it. Uh, if not, subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice. Please leave some reviews, rate, subscribe, uh, click that bell, let, let us know when you go live. Um, and uh, yeah, beyond that, disloyal, dis, disloyal underscore idiots on most socials. And uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon and go orange. Go, go orange. orange.